the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You were made to think big, too big, baby. But tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow, yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Hello, this is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today we will hear a classic message from our archives that we believe will be a blessing to you and give you principles to live big in Christ. Let's join Bishop Greer for this classic teaching as we continue our previous broadcast. He says it a little bit differently. In the New Testament, the term praise is not as often used. Although it says, be, you know, be filled with the Spirit, make psalms, you know, hymns in your heart, make a melody in the Lord. You, you know that scripture. But the term joy is used in its place. Joy is the root of praise. Are, are you tracking with me? This could read this way. Consider it pure praise, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind. Okay. What he's saying is if you keep your joy, let me, let me read the text. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that it may be mature, complete, and lack, not lacking anything. He's saying, in effect, if you maintain your joy, but he couples some things here with perseverance, you're going to end up not lacking anything. But if you lose your joy in your trial, you can't win. You see, we're thinking, well, if I just bear up under it, and I'll grump and complain all the way through it. And by the way, why did the children of Israel not make it into the promised land? Because they were complaining. What's the opposite of joy? Complaining. If they would have rejoiced in the Lord, they would have made it in. So joy is quite vital if you want to make it into your promise. He says, whenever you're going through problems, consider it joy. Does that make sense? Huh? What is joy and what is happiness? I'm going to tell you something. I've been passionate for a lot of years. I've also been human for a lot of years. Had my own problems face me. Even if I didn't know you, I know me. And I would come to the same revelation <laughs> if I didn't know you. But knowing you helps me uh, confirm this. <laughs> our problem is we want to be happy. That's our aim. And we're wrong. We are carnal. Happiness comes from the flesh. Happiness is based on circumstances. Well, I'll be happy if my wife loved me. God looks at me. It's like, the blood and all that, the Holy Spirit, and you're talking about a woman. Oh, I'll be happy if I get some more money. God's like, oh, all that preaching, all that teaching, still carnal. Happiness comes from circumstances. So we say, God, give me this, give me that so I can be happy. And we think that spirituality, wrong. Joy is not based on circumstances. Joy has nothing to do with what's going on outside you. Joy is an inward 
response to relationship with Christ that expresses itself outwardly, but it's first inward. Happiness is if that works, I'll be okay inside. But joy is it's working inside. Paul's like, even though he's in prison, he, he's in prison. He's encouraging the Philippians to rejoice. Again, I said he rejoiced. Why? He got joy. His circumstances are awful. He's in a dungeon, but he's not a hypocrite. He's living this thing. You see, we need to forget about trying to be happy and get joy. And if we get joy, we will probably find happiness. If we get it on the inside, things on the outside will eventually straighten themselves out. And imagine getting sandwiched where you got joy on the inside, happiness coming from the outside. That's a good place to be. But when all you're doing is looking for happiness and you don't have joy, your happiness is dependent on stuff that changes, that moves. Your house could be burned down. Your car could be stolen. This church could be burned down. But my, listen, this building is not the church. Burn it down. I don't care. Okay, devils, if you're listening, do not burn the church down. But you hear what, what I'm trying to say here. I am not seeking happiness. Seek first the kingdom. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Not happiness. You see, God will add some things to you if you seek the kingdom. He'll, he'll add happiness. He'll, all these other things shall be added if you put peace and joy, righteousness up front. So why are we miserable? in our? Because we're looking for happiness and we should be miserable because you're not going to be happy based on circumstances. And if you are happy, it'll be there one day, gone the next. Get a new car, it'll start to get old. Get a new wife or husband, start to get old too. Everything starts to get old and it loses its novelty. And that, you know, that, that first love, if you will, begins to, to wane if you let it. But joy is something else. It's independent of circumstance. So what we have to do is seek the higher. And when we get the higher, everything else begins to line up. So if you hear me, this could be just a small adjustment that changes a lot for you. Stop trying to be happy. Stop it. God, in my long list of things that make me happy, stop it. Say, God, I want to experience your joy. I need a revelation in my mind. I need relationship in my heart. I need joy. And God, if I get this joy, the rest will line up. Are you hearing me? Sometimes even a saint, you know, as strong in faith you are, God will let some stuff happen to you to show you you're happy. You were happy, but you had no joy. Because when, when they start taking stuff and messing with stuff, that's when your real joy is manifest. That's why I say consider it pure joy when trouble comes, because joy is all you got left. That relationship inside, that's what you got. So consider it, count on this joy on the inside to keep you and to, to, to help maintain you in the midst of crisis. But again, we've settled for happiness and we've not aimed for joy. It says consider it pure joy. He didn't just say joy. That implies that there could be impure joy and pure joy. What is pure joy? He said, if you're going through a test, you don't want no impure joy. You want pure joy. If you have pure joy, you're going to be all right. Pure joy comes from pure relationship from pure heart. How pure is your relationship with the master? Pure joy. We get joy. The Bible said from his presence, there's a fullness of joy in the presence of God. So pure joy comes from abiding in him and having a real relationship with Christ where you're experiencing his presence. You're not just thinking about it, hoping for you are experiencing his presence. So pure joy comes from pure God. 
in, you understand, a pure relationship. You see, if you're looking for joy, you got to, again, shoot higher than happiness. If you shoot for pure relationship with the king eternal, invisible, the only wise God. Come on, if you are really relating on the inside, you know God is for you. You know God is pulling and working things together for the good. Wouldn't that be a joy? So it don't matter what happened. The dog dies. It doesn't matter that you burn the food. You have pure joy. Comes from the pure Christ, pure relationship. But sometimes I have mixed joy. I got some relationship in there, but I got other stuff. And when I go through tra- trials and tests, that other stuff begins to bubble and boil and move to the top because our faith is like gold, you know, that gets heated up. And it gets heated and the purities begin to rise. But he says, listen, count it pure what? Joy. Whenever you run into a problem in life, particularly serious ones, it's time to go closer in relationship. It's time to to to. to in his presence, his fullness, it's time to lift, it's time to lift, it's time to, to get as close as possible so you can have pure joy. You see, I tried to manufacture joy, put on a church face, and go through life. I tried to be strong in myself because I'm a righteous man. That wasn't pure joy. That was Derek trying to be strong. Pure joy is when I grab hold of him, he grabbed hold of me. And together we were working through that thing. You understand what I'm saying? And there's a bubbling up in the midst of my crisis. That's pure joy. Habakkuk says some things at 3.16. He's arguing with God throughout the entire book. And you see, listen to me, church. Please hear me. I've done this. I tried to be spiritual, not talking to God about what upset me, angered me. And what happens is, let's say in November, you know, 1985, some terrible thing happens to you that you don't resolve with God. You stop at that point. You could be in Christ 20 years, but if you don't resolve that issue, you never grow past it. Habakkuk had some problems with God. He didn't understand God's justice, didn't like it. So he began to argue with him. And at the end of the argument, he comes to this conclusion. David was the same way. He said, well, different things. He said, God, I'm depressed. I'm But he'd end up in praise. Why? Because he brought the issue to God. Do not be religious and push stuff down. Deal with your crisis and issues and deal with them promptly so they don't stop you. Because, you know, 20 years later, you say, well, I'm doing all the right things, God. I've been going to church 20 years and here my younger brother comes in here and all these great things happen to him. And I'm like the elder brother and I'm not angry that you're blessing him. It's because you stopped. Are you hearing me? Your joy stopped then. And even though you, you, you kept up the motions, there was no joy. Married folk, we do it all the time. We lost joy 20 years ago. But we keep up, you know, the, the mo- but we need to deal with those issues that stop the joy. And even if it's 20 years later, if we go back to those issues, fix them or get perspective on them, one or the other, we can go on with our, our marriage, with our, our lives. You're tracking with me. 16 said, I heard in my heart pounded, God answered him and, and just laid him out. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Then he says this. This is faith. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall. This prophet speaking some good stuff. He, the, God's saying, man, 
judgment's coming on this nation. What you going to do, prophet? What you going to do? And this is his response. 18. Yet I will rejoice or praise the Lord. You will go through tests and you'll pass the test when you begin to rejoice. Count it all joy. When you go through the test, oh, you understand that's when you pass it, when you maintain that relationship and that perspective. Yet I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. How many of you would be excited if your fig tree did not bud? There were no grapes on your vine. Now, this is an agricultural society. I mean, they didn't have a supermarket to go to. If it didn't bud in the field, they didn't eat. You didn't have no olive crops. It means you had no oil. You couldn't cook no fried chicken. You couldn't do any of that stuff. And the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall. That is tough. That means your cupboards are empty. There's no gas in your gas tank. They talk about repossessing even that which you have left. Yet I will rejoice in. That's joy. See, joy is not based. It seems silly because you're saying I wouldn't be happy. So I wouldn't smile. No, you're carnal. You can rejoice because you're spiritual. As long as God is with you, even in that situation, you can what? Rejoice. I will be joyful, not happy. Did you? Are you hearing that? How many of y'all would be happy? I wouldn't be happy that happened. But you can be joyful. It's a whole different thing in God, my Savior. And they said, the sovereign Lord is my what? Strength. You see, strength comes from joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You want strength to go through trials? Let God make you happy. Even though your eyes are saying there's no reason to be happy and all that, but just close your eyes. Trust your heart. God got you. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Now, what he does, he turns attention on and saying, there's no stuff out there, but I got some feet. And the feet of a deer are quick among the high place. In other words, God's going to take me to spiritual heights in the midst of this terrible situation where I'm broke and all the rest. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go to the heights. You see his heart? He has no reason to be happy, but joy will take him to the heights in the midst of terrible calamity. And he says, for the director of music, this guy has music in his heart. When God's talking about judgment, that's joy. Are you hearing me? When you can write a song that says, uh, rejoice, and again, I will rejoice in the midst of your crisis. Man, you're not only passing the test. You are in the category of great prophets. You hear what I'm saying? And he says, for the director of music on my string instruments. Let's move to Philippians 3, 1 and 4. Has anybody learned anything? Yeah, I hear your wheels turning. I hear you thinking. Be transformed by the renewing of your... Yeah. God looks at you. God, I'd be happy if X, Y, and Z is like, gosh, you just didn't get it. My prayer is that you begin to rejoice. And as you do that, God will tend to your happiness. Three and one. Paul says, finally, my brothers. Finally, often appears where he gets to a point he's been trying to get to. Throughout the whole letter, he's been rejoicing about things, but he, he gets to, to, to make this statement again. He's, by the way, he's talking, the context, he's talking about false doctrine. And then he interjects in the middle of helping them discern between righteous and wrong doctrine, rejoicing. And you'd be like, what's that about? But let's take a look at what he says. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord! Exclamation point. Then he said, it's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. He was like, listen, I don't have a whole lot of ink in this prison, but uh, this, point, this point is so important, I'm going to repeat it twice. And we, we've said before, when something's repeated twice, it brings emphasis. 
So he repeats it twice to bring emphasis. So in the middle of talking about this false doctrine, he's about to call people dogs and stuff. He tells them to rejoice. He said, it's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. And it is a what? Safeguard for you. Did you know that joy is a safeguard? What's a safeguard? Something that serves as a protection or defense or that ensures safety. Joy can foolproof your faith. When we lose our joy, we lose our protection. You're like, Pastor, I'm not getting what, what you're saying. Why? Because when you lose your joy, you succumb to bitterness. You succumb to a spirit of rejection, superiority, looking down your nose, sarcasm, judgmentalism. The most unhappy people are judgmental people. You don't find happy people being real judgmental. Do you hear what I'm saying? Why is that so? The Bible said love covers a multitude of sin. You see, many people say, well, pastor, you didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. I don't like you anymore. It's not me. It's you. You see, when you're in love with somebody, you overlook everything. I mean, you don't have, if you're newly married, you don't need to brush your teeth in the morning. He is talking. Love covers a multitude of sin. What happens is we fall out of love with it. People, you know, we walk out, you know, understand what I'm saying? We don't love people in church. So they're under law. And when they don't line up, uh, but love is gracious. Love says, you fall down, but we get up. Law says, you fell down, you stay down, I'm through with you. And as saved as we are, as Bible knowing as we are, the devil deceives us and darkens our eyes toward one another. And we start living according to the Lord. They don't do this right, they don't do this right, I'm out of here. And you're going to bring that spirit to the next place. And then you're going to find more problems because the problem's you. Walk in love. Love people in spite of them. You hear me? That's important. Married folks, same thing. Y'all not loving each other no more. That's why you find it so much fault. Yeah, some things you need to address, but you understand what I'm saying here. Love covers a multitude of sin. When you get that hypercritical spirit, you're out of love. Christ is the spirit of love. The first fruit of the spirit is love. So you get out of love, you're out of the spirit. And then it talks about the fruit of the flesh, factions, yada, yada, yada. All that stuff feels justified because they're wrong. They're not doing that right. They're not doing that. And it's all flesh. Read, read the end of Galatians and, and you'll see that. We have to walk in love toward one another in order uh, for us to be safeguarded. But joy is also a connected to, to that love there. Uh, it says here, this joy is a safeguard for you. So, how many of you are safeguarded right now? I would love to say 100% of us. If you're trying to be happy, you're not safeguarded. I want to be safeguarded. So my aim is joy. And you see, when people come up with these weird doctrines about you got to worship on the fifth day, and then you got to do one leg up and do like this to worship. You see, if you're angry and bitter at everyone else in the church, you, 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 you go for it. The nation of Islam. All they did was take the resentment and the anger of people that have been oppressed and exploited them with false doctrine. That's all it is. People were angry enough to believe anything. Elijah Muhammad's on a UFO talking to Pharaoh. Come on, guys. But that's how they do that type of stuff. That's how people get deceived out of the faith. You know, they get angry and they lose their joy and the devil comes and he speaks to them like God. God says that you are now to leave this group of people. 
and go to another place where they are kinder. Da, 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 da. You've been defeated. Sometimes God does say that. Please hear me. But nine times out of ten, you've been defeated and you've lost your joy. So you were susceptible to the enemy. Also, when you lose your joy, you want it. So you look for any place to get it back. And desperation causes you to do stupid things that are reasonable and illogical. Four and four. He says again, the same book. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Sometimes you can do it always because it's not based on circumstances. So you're free. See, I, I, I hope I can live this. I'm preaching something that's bigger than me right now because it says rejoice always. I'm looking at, am I happy? I can always rejoice because it's not based on circumstance. It's based on Christ in me and never leave me. No, you understand what I'm saying? Forsake me. My hope of glory. Rejoice in the Lord always. Then he says, I will say it again. Emphatic. It's the second time in the same book of the Bible. Rejoice, exclamation point. Then he says, let your considerable, your, your gentleness, which means consideration, reasonableness, or fair-minded. You know what? When you lose your joy, you are no longer considerate. Inconsiderate people are not happy people. You're no longer reasonable. Get in the middle of an argument, me and my wife, we haven't had a real one in a while, thank God. But I become unreasonable. I can't hear. You know, I'm just, you become unreasonable when you lose your joy. And it says here, fair-minded. You see, when someone steps on your toe and you lose your joy, you want to slam them and knock their nose off. It's not an eye for an eye when you get mad. You do a little bit to me, I'm going to hurt you harder. And You understand what I'm saying? You see, fist fights, if it was just this for this, it would never escalate. But eventually someone escalates. Okay, that's enough. I'm going to take more than what you just did to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's how it escalates. But, but when, when do we escalate? When we lose our joy. And what you should say to your partner now, or your friend, you say, no, you're escalating. You've lost your joy. Come on. Some of y'all have been escalating all week, taking it to the next level. It's not fair. It's not right. You've blown everything out of proportion. You're escalating. You lost your joy. Get your joy back. Love covers the multitude of sin. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Your consideration, reasonableness, fair-mindedness, the fruit of joy. Be evident to everyone that sees your life. Then he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. With what? Thanksgiving. Prayer without joy or thankfulness don't work. He said, pray that your joy may be full in other places. We'll, we'll, we'll look at that at, a, at another time. Then he says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now listen, he begins with joy and then he says, pray. Make sure you got that relationship with God, that, that the joy. And then pray and pray with that joy or thankfulness and then peace will come. You want peace? Okay, the fruit of the spirit's progressive. Two bookmarks at the end. It ends with temperance, which is self-control. And that's the ultimate place. You need to be at a place you can control yourself. You hear what I'm saying? Not fruits, plural, it's singular. In other words, just like an apple might be red, it might be hard, it, it might be several different things at the same time. These are all the attributes or the descriptors, these are all the characteristics, better said, of the work of the Spirit. Now, you could get a fruit, an apple, and it can have everything, but it's soft all over. It's mushy. You don't want to eat it. And same thing with all the descriptors of the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're missing one, ain't right. So we want to grow in all the, the characteristics of what the, the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, if you will. 
You're hearing me. But it all begins with love. It doesn't first begin with you loving someone else. First, see with you living, receiving the love of God. And when you receive the love of God, you share it with others. And when you receive his love, joy comes. You get me? And then you got that joy working. He enlarges it here. He said, listen, you got the joy. Now pray. Peace will come. Are you hearing me? And then he keeps, you know, if you follow that through, we, we would get to, to temperance. And he said, against us, there's no law. There's nothing that can stop people that are flowing in these things as God uh, has called us to. He says here, rejoice in the Lord always. And he said, I will say it again. Now, if he was living in a million dollar home, driving a hundred thousand dollar car, had, you know, a trophy wife, had a. Uh, you know, I don't know, all, all the things that we think we, we need to, to be happy. I just say, well, you know, I, I can't relate to that. Paul was not married. Paul was in prison. Paul had lost many of his friends and actually they're sending him gifts to help fund him. This guy had real joy. Had nothing to do with the things around him. And that joy kept him. And if we would begin to make joy our aim, happiness will come. But we have to put first things first. Amen. Amen. This has been a classic message from Bishop Derek Greer. We pray that God's word has equipped you to think big, do big, and live big in a way that your life overflows and blesses those around you. If you want to learn more about becoming a Christian or you feel that you need to rededicate your life to Christ, we want to walk you through the steps to do so. Go to gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more and watch videos from Bishop Greer that will guide you into your life in Christ. Again, that's gracechurchva.org salvation. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at gracechurchva.tv. While you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.